0: We do find ourselves in that kind of situation pretty regularly with the Lord, right? Where He's, he's not spelling things out for us. And we've got to think about what has He already told me? What do I know? All right, well, then I'm going to trust Him and I'm going to make a decision. You are listening to the Hope Valley Podcast, a weekly production of Hope Valley Church in Winchester, Virginia, with your host, Pastor Sam Rogers. Well, hello, and welcome to Sunday Morning with Hope Valley Church. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Valley, and today we are continuing in our study through the book of Acts. We're going verse by verse through the book of Acts, and uh, this is part two. We uh, we uh, last, In our last lesson, we covered verses one through eleven, and just some helpful background information before we launch into this, uh, because this will become important as we read through uh, the second half of chapter one, is that... Uh, the disciples clearly seem to have some importance placed on the idea of there being really 12 key witnesses to his resurrection, right? So, you know, we think of like the 12 apostles, 12 disciples, right? These guys. Um, and they clearly had an idea that the number 12 were significant and important. And uh, and and we'll find that as we go through it, probably one of the reasons would be things that Jesus said to them. Like if you go read Matthew 19 and 28, he talks about there being 12 of them sitting on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And of course, Israel had 12 tribes because Jacob had 12 sons. And so there's a symmetry there uh, that they clearly had a significance placed on there being 12 of them. And we'll see that kind of Uh, uh, you know kind of unfold here as we start in verse uh, 12. Uh, And uh, we'll see Peter talk about a predicament right that they're in um, if we can put it that mildly right and that predicament is that one of the 12 was Judas and he had betrayed Jesus and then killed himself and so now there's only 11 of them so that's kind of relevant to understanding what we're about to read here in verse 12. Um, And so uh, here's As we read through, we're going to be reading uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 26. Uh, And as we read through, here's a question that I'd I'd like you to have in your mind, kind of as we read this next part of the story. And that question is, what do you do when the next step isn't clear? What do you do when the next step isn't clear? Okay, so be having that question in your mind as we kind of walk through. Uh, But let's begin here. Uh, let's pick up in verse 12 of Acts chapter 1. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, uh, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, and Peter, James, uh, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Jugas, the son of James, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And he said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David, concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who were resting Jesus. For he was numbered among us, and was allotting his share in this ministry. Now here in verse 18 we'll see Luke have a little his little parenthetical note where he gives us some background. Uh, verse 18 Now this man acquired, this is Judas, acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, akeldama, that is, the field of blood. Okay, And then we're back to Peter speaking in verse 20. So, this, so the Peter says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. Who knows the hearts of all? Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and a lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. All right. So now we're going to, now that we've read through the whole passage, let's break down and just see what are some of the key points that we see happening in the story, just so we can understand the passage a little bit more clearly. And I think the first key point we see here is that the disciples didn't just passively wait for the Holy Spirit. We see this in verse 14. They were actively praying, right? It says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. So this is an interesting point that I think we need to focus on, right? That Jesus said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. And they didn't just go and sit and wait and go, all right, any day now the Holy Spirit's going to come. It says they devoted themselves to prayer. So as they were waiting, they were actively praying. And it was during this time that they're devoting themselves to prayer that you know Peter gets up and then we see this in the next passage. Uh, we see that Peter gets up and he raises this issue of Judas' death leaving kind of like an empty seat among the 12. And I've already talked about why they would have seen 12 as a significant number for them for their group, right? And so he's like, look, there were 12 of us, now there's 11 of us uh, and, and, and because of this issue of Judas's betrayal and death, right? Uh, but it's interesting that as Peter raises this issue, he immediately identifies everything that had just happened. And you can probably imagine, this is probably... Uh, it's probably a pretty traumatic thing for the disciples, right? I mean, this is, you know, Judas was somebody who was a close friend of theirs. He was, he was part of this close group for, you know, three and a half years, probably. And so you can imagine, this is probably a really difficult emotional time for them to just process everything that, that's happened, not to mention the betrayal of Judas and, you know, his death afterwards, which is pretty gruesome, as we saw there in the passage. Uh, But Peter sees all of this as being a fulfillment of what God had already said was going to happen. And he does that by referencing back to the book of Psalms. And we see that in verse 16. In chapter 1, verse 16 here in acts. Then we see that based on what Peter already knew, and this is in verse 20 through 22, based on what he already knew, Peter proposes a next step is to replace Judas as one of the twelve. And I really want to emphasize it was based on what he knew from Scripture, right? So so Peter is looking at Scripture and going, listen, based on what I'm seeing, A, this was prophesied to happen, and B, I think we have some instruction in Scripture about what we need to do, and that is that we need to replace Judas and find a twelfth guy, right? Uh, and we see this in verse 20 when he says, you know, he's quoting Psalms, and he says, so one of the men who have accompanied us during you know, all this time that you know, Jesus was going in and out and with us and beginning all the way back to the beginning, all the way to the end, someone who saw him resurrect, we need one of these people to become number 12. Right? Uh, and then the next thing we see is that the disciples really did not have a clear direction. You know, this is really an interesting story. You know, it's one of those stories that you could probably, if you were just reading through the book of Acts, you could probably read over it pretty quick and go, huh, that's weird, and just kind of keep moving, but you know today we're going to slow down and think about this because if you think about the situation that they're in they're in a pretty interesting uh, you know predicament really right because uh, they don't yet have the Holy Spirit so they don't have a way for the Holy Spirit to just speak to them directly uh, but they're but they're identifying look here's what we know from scripture here's a situation." Uh, and and the lack of a clear direction, you know, they pray and they ask God to guide them, and then the way that they make the decision is by casting lots, which I'll talk about in a moment. But it's really interesting, right? So the disciples didn't have a clear direction of who to replace Judas with. So they prayed, they they asked God to guide them, and then they make a decision. Look here in verse 24, it says, and they prayed and said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. Right? Very interesting. And so then they cast lots and then they fall on Matthias and they go, Matthias is it, he's number 12. Right? Fascinating conversation, really, when you think of it. Uh, let me give you a few other things that I think might help us kind of understand a little bit about what we're, we're seeing here in the story. Because again, I don't know about to you, but uh, this is kind of an odd interaction we see, right? I mean, they see a problem. They don't know what to do, uh, but they do know some things that God is said. And so they pray that the Lord will show them, and then they cast lots, which is kind of like rolling dice. Um and then they go, Okay, well based on the way those dice came out, that's what God wants. It's really fascinating. So let's unpack what was going on, what may have been going on in their heads and, and and why do we think they were doing this, just so we can kind of just unpack the story a little bit more, right? So, you know, one verse that Peter doesn't quote, but it's probably in his mind when he's thinking about the scriptures and what they said about Judas was hearing Psalm Chapter 41 verse 9, let me read this to you, it says, Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. And this is another one of David's Psalms that was prophetic. It was speaking about David's own life, but it was also prophesying the way the life of Jesus would also be. And so that's the first kind of supporting uh, scripture that I would, you know, add in there that might help us kind of understand a little bit about what was going on in Peter's head. You know, an interesting detail to note, and we'll see this as we go through the book of Acts, that this is the last time we ever see any of the disciples cast lots to make a decision. And it's because, as we'll see in the next lesson, um, you know, after this event is when the Holy Spirit comes and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit leads and guides and directs them. So we see them never cast lots again, which I think is an interesting detail for us to pay attention to. But here they are, they don't have the Holy Spirit. In other words, they don't have a clear direction from God explicitly saying, this is what you should do. So they use the information they have. Um, they pray and they ask God, and then they trust Him with the results. So casting lots is this interesting practice from back then, and, and it's thought that probably what casting lots was was there was probably, they probably had a collection of stones that were marked differently. And they would say, okay, this is the Matthias stone and this is the Barcibus stone. And then what they would do is they would maybe put it in a cup or something like that and they would throw them. And the first one that came out of the cup was considered to be the one that God had chosen, right? This is interesting. You might say, well, that's a really weird practice. Like, why would they do that? Uh, And again, maybe some helpful background scripture for us to look at that would maybe inform us as to why would they even go about making a decision this way is uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. And it says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So, you know, as you're looking at the story, you're going, okay, I mean, I think maybe I understand maybe what was going on in their minds, right? And I think it's such an interesting lesson for us to look and see, okay, these guys, again, they knew that something had to be done, they didn't know exactly what to do, and in the absence of God explicitly explicitly telling them what to do, they make a decision based on what they had and what they knew. And the proverb there is an interesting background information for us to look at, right? If they're looking and going, listen, God is in control of all things. If we pray and we throw these rocks He's going to talk to us through the way the rocks fall, right? Really fascinating. Um, and uh, some of these, here's a couple of quotes that I think might also kind of help us just kind of think through uh, this interesting conversation we see the disciples having when they're pressed with this decision. Uh, John Stott wrote this. He said, God's promises of guidance are not giving to save us the bother of thinking. That's interesting. Uh, N.T. Wright puts it this way. He says, one of the many lessons that Acts teaches quietly as it goes along is that you tend to get the guidance you need when you need it, not before and not in too much detail. Now, as human beings, these realities are kind of frustrating, right? Because if we're, if we're being totally honest, what we would really like for God to do is to tell us exactly what to do and exactly what will happen and you know, just kind of give us everything really nicely spelled out so that we don't have to be worried or anxious or figure things out on our own. And yet we see that that's not the way that God works. And in this situation, we see an example of the disciples basically making a decision with what they have. So let's apply some of what we're reading today, right? So I think we've pretty well covered, okay, what did we just read and what's going on and what's happening in that passage? But now I'd advise you to kind of look through what are some big ideas? How can we apply this in our lives? And so three questions I'm gonna invite you to think about. First is what are the big ideas that you see in this passage? You know, what are the timeless ideas we see in this passage that can apply to us now and we can learn from today? And then how can you apply that In your life and what are the next steps that you should take in order to apply those things Uh, let me give you some of my thoughts right so as I'm reading through this passage I'm thinking okay what are some of the big ideas that I see and applications and steps for myself Uh, you know here's a couple of big ideas that I see first that you know God may not always make it clear what we are to do next and we must sometimes take what he's already told us Make a decision and trust him with what happens next. Um, I, th- I think that's a clear teaching from, from this story. That w- I think that's probably a major reason why this story was preserved because we do find ourselves in that kind of situation pretty regularly with the Lord, right? Where he's, done, he's not spelling things out for us. And we've got to think about what has he already told me? What do I know? All right, well, then I'm going to trust him and I'm going to make a decision, right? And so the way that I apply that in my life is I need to stop waiting. And this is hard for me to do, but I need to stop waiting and I need to stop expecting for God to give me the play-by-play, right? And I think that's something that if we're honest, we all kind of want. I know that I often feel like life would be so much easier if God would just give me the play-by-play instructions on what to do, Um, but I need to stop waiting or expecting for that. And I need to take risks and and to trust God to guide me along the way. And this is something that I've begun to learn in my life over the last few years, and I'm still really actively learning, is that actually the way that God has called me to live life is to, frankly, oftentimes take what feels like a risk, but to trust him along the way to guide me as I go, right? And so next step that I have here written down for myself is I need to revisit what God has already revealed so I can draw wise conclusions. And, and I know I've talked about it a lot already, but I just find it so interesting that Peter, you know, he's standing up and going, look, here's the problem. Here's what I believe scripture says. Everyone else goes, yeah, we agree with that. And he says, all right, well, let's pray that God will show us and let's throw these rocks and, and God's gonna make the right one fall. And then they look and go, that's the Matthias rock. Matthias, you're it. You're number 12. So fascinating, right? Um, but, I, but yeah, the next step that I would have for me uh, is that I need to re- revisit what God has already revealed to me so that I can make wise decisions. So uh, now I'll just invite you to reflect Really, on just some things that we've gone through today. And the first thing I invite you to do today is just spend some time in prayer, praying for the Holy Spirit to bring uh, to your remembrance what God has already taught you. Right? Just spend some time today, just praying. Lord, will you do this for me? Will you remember or uh, help me remember the things that you've already shown me? the things you've already taught me. Because really, as human beings, look, we, we're forgetful, right? I mean, sometimes I forget the reason that I walked into a room. And, and, and I also forget really important, really critical things that the Lord has taught me and showed me. Uh, and, and, and in certain situations, that information is very critical. And so uh, I would just encourage you again, pray the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance what God has already taught you. And then the devotional question I'd really invite you to just kind of dig into this week. This is a big one, but I want you to think through this. What important decisions are you delaying because you're afraid of making a mistake and you're not trusting God with what He has already shown you? So I want you to think through that this week. Pray about that question this week, right? What important decisions are you delaying because you're afraid of making a mistake? and not trusting God with what he's already shown you. So uh, in our next lesson, we'll be picking up in Acts chapter two and getting really excited. I hope you're enjoying this uh, this walk through the book of Acts. I know I have really been getting a lot of it myself just as I've been studying slowly through this book. So uh, I hope this has been a, just a wonderful blessed time for you and appreciate you being with us uh, this morning. and look forward to just continuing through the book of Acts uh, together. All right, well, may God bless you today. We are so glad you've joined us today. To learn more about Hope Valley Church and get access to free resources, just go to www.hopevalley.church. Hope Valley is a church based in Winchester, Virginia that meets in homes around the region. So if you'd like to find out more about home churches, how they work, and how to locate one near you, just go to hopevalley.church/house. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you today.